We all know Valentine's Day is, in many ways, a bummer, but it has a powerful silver lining. Whether we are single, dating, or in a relationship, Valentine's Day stands as a reminder to take time to evaluate our relationship to love. This year, Valentine's Day coincides with doting Mercury in Pisces and passionate Venus in Aries. These planets in these signs actively express love and romance, but Mars and Venus are in their detriment in the signs of Pisces and Aries, showing us that sometimes love can be an illusion or driven by lust, and sometimes love is true. Either way, we rarely have control over who we are drawn to. So this week I'm asking, where is the good and where is the bad in Allure? Allure is a French word, its origins based in the Latin lure. Lure is defined as something that tempts or attracts, especially one with a promise of reward or pleasure. Allure is similarly defined. As a verb, it means to powerfully attract, charm, or tempt. When I hear the word, it conjures images of red lipstick, magazine covers, bedroom eyes, mystery, desire, intoxication, lust, all things immediate and superficial. We could easily replace it with the word infatuation, though allure sounds more alluring. As we do this dance, the human rituals of love and attraction, I imagine some of us as fish and some of us as fishing lures. Some of us glint in the light, presenting ourselves as an offering, and some of us are the bewitched, hanging by the mouth, twisting through space, consumed by the promise of love. There are times when the worm is real, and we are satiated, whole, one with something outside of ourselves. And there are times when we are mistaken, gutted, alone. I think it's important to recognize our patterns and grow from our misconceptions. I think most of us can relate to the feeling of finding your one, only to later doubt everything. We can avoid these experiences by listening to ourselves, what we want, what we need, and all the ways in which we are capable of giving another person what they want and need. Allurement is vivid, intriguing, necessary for human connection. On Valentine's Day, there is pressure, whether from ourselves or society, to be with someone, to connect. But before we follow through with our desires, it could be worth finding out what you're really looking for. I'd like to discuss sign compatibility, and in the spirit of love, I've invited my partner, Jenny Owen-Youngs, to help. I'm Jenny Owen-Youngs. I'm a musician, a podcaster, and I'm dating Jess. Jess and I met at Irving Plaza in 2012. That's a music venue in New York City where her band was playing. Jenny and I have been dating for about a couple of years. She's a Sagittarius with a Libra moon, a Leo rising, and I'm a Gemini with a Pisces moon and Sagittarius rising. 
Jess was essentially my gateway into astrology. I guess technically I had a girlfriend in college who hand drew my natal chart for me before you could buy an app to make one for you. But it really didn't become something that I thought about regularly until I started learning about it kind of like via you. When you first showed me some of the aspects of my chart, uh, you really came out of the gate with like some slam dunky bullseyes that just made me really want to know more. And now that you're studying so seriously uh, and making this podcast, it is lucky for me because I get to sort of absorb things vicariously here and there. Um, I think it's a fascinating tool. So in this episode, we're going to break down the signs that each sign is allured by, for better or worse, and which pairing is actually healthy for each sign. Jenny's here to help come up with places where the signs can fish for their match. Wow. Before we start to break it down, let's take a second to talk about love astrology. The sun sign is the classic cliche you'd ask someone in a bar, like, hey, what's your sign? And there is some validity to that. The sun is our essence, our life's path, the purest form of our expression. But love can be many things. For all the signs we're about to go over, keep in mind that you can look to your sun, moon, Mars, or Venus sign depending on your current predicament. For example, if you're looking for emotional connection, use your moon sign. For sex, Mars. For romance and love, Venus. For people trying to do their own thing and stay on their own path, maybe while still having fun, or who find it especially important to maintain a strong sense of self in a relationship, use your sun sign. Okay, let's start at the top of the order, the first sign of the zodiac, Aries. Aries is deeply passionate and needs someone to match its energy so it doesn't become bored, but also they don't want someone to argue against their decisions. They might feel drawn to the mystery and seduction of a sign like Scorpio, wanting to see how deep they can go, but I would say that this isn't probably the healthiest match, as both signs are ruled by Mars, which is associated with Ares, the god of war, and they could clash and have a pretty destructive relationship. A healthier match for Ares, I think, would be Libra, a sign that brings the more calming energy of Venus to the table. Um, Libra is the sign of partnerships, and they're wonderful at caring for people and acknowledging their needs without being overbearing. So where would... Uh, Aries seeking Libra or Libra seeking Aries go to hang out to find each other? Such a great question. I think Aries and Libra could perhaps find one another at a rec league kickball game. I'm picturing all the Aries I know kicking a ball really hard, and I'm picturing the Libras I know supporting their teammates and just like really wanting to be part of something bigger than themselves and take care of everybody in that environment. That sounds perfect and made me think of the game Red Rover. Yes. Red being Aries, the Rover being Libra. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so Taurus. Taurus is a calm, steady, earthy sign, slow moving. It loves the senses and the good things in life. It values beauty and strength. It may be drawn to a sign like energetic Aries who will steer the ship for them while they kind of relax and take their time moving at their own pace. But Taurus can also be 
particularly obstinate when it comes to changes or upheaval, and this could catch up with them pretty quickly in a relationship with a sign like Aries that wants to always be moving forward. Taurus would do better with a sign like Cancer, who will pamper them and be sensitive to their feelings without challenging them or disappearing on them. So where would Taurus and Cancer meet up? For the Taurus seeking a Cancer and vice versa, might I humbly suggest an activity that's growing in popularity, sweeping the nation. Uh, It's animal-centric yoga. Goat yoga is very popular, but something that's even maybe a bit cuddlier and sweeter is puppy yoga, which lots of adoption centers seem to have started to do. And what's great for Taurus and Cancer is that, don't worry, you won't have to actually do yoga because puppies will be everywhere trying to cuddle you and being adorable. And I don't think a whole lot of yoga gets done in those classes. So you can just enjoy adorable, calming, furry, sweet presences. And, you know, maybe one puppy will run up to you and you'll like laugh and have a good time. And then it'll run over to the cute person two yoga mats away from you. And then you'll have something to talk about. That cute puppy. I'm not a Cancer or a Taurus, but I might try. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot we're dating. I, I won't be trying that anytime soon. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but we could go together. Yes, we're just seeking puppies. <laughs> For Gemini, Gemini is allured by everyone and everything. <laughs> that segue was accidental. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, if we're playing a numbers game, then this fact makes them more likely to experience the downsides of allure, just statistically. Gemini would grow significantly from being more selective with who they date and paying attention to what they really need in a relationship. So that being said, I think Gemini's healthiest match would be Sagittarius. I'm a Gemini and Jenny is a Sagittarius. What are the odds? I know I seem biased, uh, but it did take me a lot of trial and error to realize what was important to me in a partner. I'm conversational. I'm a changeable person, and I feel happiest with someone who's responsible, stable, but still equally conversational and curious, which is more or less Sagittarius. So where would a Gemini and Sagittarius meet? Irving Plaza, 2012, New York City, or I think Geminis seeking Sagittarians and vice versa need to get into some clubs relevant to their many, many very specific, very passionate interests. Book club? Movie club? Are you into Dungeons and Dragons? Go to your local game store. They have tables where you can just game all night and also cast a loving eye around the room for uh, other cute D&Ders. I feel like Gemini and Sagittarius seem to be very interest and passion driven, and they love to talk about stuff. Uh, So go to a place that's made for people to talk about things they're passionate about. And also the first part of your answer about you were joking about Irving Plaza, I think really fits for a place that we met as a Gemini and Sagittarius because Gemini and Sagittarius are the two signs in the zodiac that are most known for traveling Mm. a lot. And uh, music has created, it has forged a path where you and I are both always traveling. And that is 
where we intersected and met. Also, Sag and Gemini, so social. Ask your friends slash hang out with a large group of your friends. Somebody will probably bring somebody that you might want to get to know better. Yes, exactly. For Cancer, even if they won't admit it, it's really important <laughs> to Cancer to feel loved and cherished. They may be drawn to a sign like Pisces that can keep up with their sensitivities and fluctuating emotions, and Pisces can match them in affection. But Pisces can pull a bit of a disappearing act when they need space or feel hurt, and the disappearing act can be deeply disturbing for a Cancer. They, they really are very committal and don't like when anything disappears on them. Like I said before, I think Taurus and Cancer would be a great match because they'd both be equally committal and, and sensual together and, and gentle and sensitive to each other's needs. For Leo, Leo is energetic like Aries, but a bit more graceful, let's say gracefully energetic, and needs space to express themselves. They need to be heard. Their desire for mutual energy could make them attracted to the intrigue of Scorpio or the excitement of Sagittarius. And these aren't terrible matches for them by any means. But I think Leo could find a healthy partnership with a sign like Pisces, who isn't necessarily exciting, but Pisces will have compassion for everything that Leo wants to do, will really listen to them, and will have no problem giving them the space to do their own thing. Jenny, where do you think Leo and Pisces could meet? I think Pisces and Leo might perhaps bump into each other at something like a gallery opening. Both have a lot of creative expression needs, and gallery openings generally take place at night, which will please a Pisces. And even if a Leo or Pisces is not an artist or directly connected to an artistic community, there's pretty good odds, I feel like, that they'll be surrounded by people in their lives who are. Yeah, I think that Pisces and Leo could both be creators that are being shown at something, you know, like a gallery opening or would attract Pisces and Leos. And I think that people that would be running galleries would be very Leo. I think there's a lot of different spaces there at a place like that for an, an intersection and an overlap with these signs. So Virgo wants someone orderly or someone who is willing to listen to the ways in which they're orderly, someone who has a comfortable living space and appreciates the Virgo's rituals and methods. So they might be attracted to signs like rigid Capricorn or aesthetic Taurus or Libra. But leaning into our own ways too much, we might lose the benefits in the idea of opposites attracting. Virgo may have lessons to learn about letting go, about forgetting the small things and keeping the bigger picture in mind. Scorpio, I think, is a sign that promises to show you other worlds and experience a range of emotion and darkness. I think Virgo would be stirred up in a positive way in this match. They're just very different signs, and I think they'd create something great together. So where would Virgo and Scorpio meet? I was kind of thinking maybe at a trivia night where I envision Virgo, a keeper of knowledge and lover of organization and a job done correctly, uh, excelling or desiring to excel. 
Yeah, and I think that the Scorpio would be there. I'm imagining a trivia night at a bar, and I think you would find Scorpio there with some kind of um, candlelight flickering all over their face and shit, and like a something like whiskey neat that they're drinking. And yes. water signs are the signs in the in the zodiac with the best memory. They're uh, great with reflection and um, looking back on the past and retaining all of this information. Uh, and paired with Scorpio being ruled by Mars, which can be competitive, someone that has a good memory and uh, an attraction to competition, you might find them at a trivia. Okay, so Libra. Libra wants to care for someone more than anything, but they sometimes scare themselves away from relationships because they fear letting go of their own world that they've created, or they fear losing their social circles, or possibly upsetting their social circles. They might be drawn to people like Gemini who are as social as they are and willing to go with the flow of life, but Gemini can be incredibly flighty like Libra. In this case especially, two negatives do not make a positive. So for a healthy match, like I said before, I'd match Libra with Aries, who can show them a good time, challenge their comfort zone, and remind them that it's good to have a sense of self. And for Scorpio, Scorpio will blow through relationships on a desperate mission to find the right one. They learn by doing, and in doing, they often destroy, transform, rebuild. Like Gemini, they're interested in digging deeper into pretty much anyone or any sign. Selectivity could benefit Scorpio. And as I said before, I'd match Scorpio with Virgo, who seems to have a handle on getting through the simple things in life, which Scorpio can have a hard time with. They get caught up in the deeper, darker aspects of life. So Virgo is grounding for Scorpio. And Sagittarius is excitable and wants to learn and develop and share and be happy. They're drawn to changeable, conversational, social people who will go on an adventure with them like Gemini. I think this is actually a pretty healthy match. Like I said before, I know I'm biased because that's the relationship I, I'm in now, but I can really attest to its truth. Jenny, what is your perspective as a Sag who's dating a Gemini? Do you, do you think it makes for a healthy match? I really only have my own experience uh, to go on, but it feels very healthy. It feels very balanced. I feel like we're both like really excitable and enthusiastic but we express it in different ways which is nice and i feel like we both are really into information and fun facts i feel and i feel like we laugh a lot i feel like we're always cracking each other up and finding new ways to have fun together yeah i think that that is really a defining trait in a gemini sagittarius relationship is laughing together so for Capricorn, it takes a lot to lure a Capricorn. They're incredibly level-headed and focused individuals who don't get too heady or obsessive in life. They're honestly a bit too rational to fall head over heels for someone, at least frequently. It's important to them to make a difference in whatever part of life they're involved in and to have a partner who gives them the space to achieve that recognition. They could be attracted to Aquarius, who isn't going to crowd them with large gestures or smother them. Aquarius works hard, just like Capricorn does, so they'd be able to give each other space and not make the other too uncomfortable. And I think this is actually a pretty good match. 
Aquarius is definitely less conventional than Capricorn, and this could cause friction, but I think it would be good friction that would let both people grow. Where do you think Capricorn and Aquarius could meet? Okay, they're both at a coffee shop, working on their laptops, uh, doing something very ambitious, and I don't know how they get from one table to the other. The barista writes the wrong name on the cup, <gasps> and it happens to be the name of the other sign. What are the odds? The most beautiful love story ever told. Or there's just an allure there already, and so one of them orders like a scone for the other or something. Nice. So Aquarius. Aquarians want someone who accepts them and wants to hear all their weird ideas. They may be drawn to compassionate and gentle Pisces. And I actually don't think this is a bad match at all, but I still think Capricorn would do them better because Aquarius wants to pair up and unite with their partner to change things for the better. They want someone who can collaborate with them to make their ideas a reality. And Capricorn is much better than Pisces at sinking their teeth into something and getting down to business. And Pisces is full of depth, longing, and emotions. They're drawn to people who will let them stay up all night or take a long nap during the day, and they need people who will be incredibly sensitive to their needs. They often don't exactly know what they want. They tend to feel lost. The first thing they read off a person is if they're calm, attentive, and sensitive. This may be another Pisces or a Libra. But the problem with these pairings is they may be too sensitive or directionless without anyone willing to kind of take the lead in life or in the relationship. As I said before, I think Leo would be a great match for Pisces because they would be able to give the Pisces fairness as well as a healthy dose of much-needed energy while still standing their ground and teaching Pisces to value in asserting themselves and identifying with their power. Wow, well, we've made a lot of great matches here tonight i think we have a lot to be proud of we do i mean uh this segment may have not been quite as useful for people in relationships already but it kind of maybe gets you thinking about uh your situation and what attracts you to your partner and if you're in a relationship with a sign that i didn't pair you with don't fret a relationship can work between any combination of signs some combinations may take a little more work than others, but sometimes the most beautiful things are the things that you have to work the hardest for. Being in love is pretty cool, but also not being in love can be pretty cool. And if you're not in love right now, I insist that you not panic because you will be in love for the first time or you will be in love again. And maybe that's just my... Sagittarius showing, but I feel like I'm right. I think there's definitely love for everyone. I think things just happen in their own time. Cupid is the god of desire, erotic love, attraction, and affection. His wings are said to represent flighty lovers, and his boyishness is said to represent irrationality. He's the poster boy of Allure, the prince of Valentine's Day. In myth, he's often said to be the son of Mars and Venus, which astrologically we know as the gods of sex and love, respectively. 
Cupid, of course, has no natal chart, being a myth, but suppose he did. What would that look like? I see Cupid with a Libra rising, graceful, charming, bringing others together. He wears the love and romance of Venus on his sleeve. Flying overhead, I see him with a Sagittarius sun, the sign of the archer, inspiring others to enter the adventure of love. His moon is revealed most within Cupid's most well-known story, Cupid and Psyche. In this story, he falls in love with Psyche, telling her that he will give her whatever she wants so long as she doesn't look at him. For a while, she's happy with this arrangement, but eventually she sneaks into his room at night to see what he looks like while he sleeps. She accidentally wakes him, and he leaves her for betraying her promise to not look at him. Many other events then occur, but at the end of the story, Cupid makes her immortal and they marry as equals. We typically see Cupid as the bringer of love, but this story seems to remove his wings and place him with the mortals, just as romantic, craving the love of another, a victim of allure. I see a Scorpio moon in Cupid because of the mysterious, shadowy nature of his initial relationship with Psyche and the way he later destroys and transforms the entire relationship before it can grow into their subsequent marriage. been a hectic Aquarius season. It feels like every day I wake up to a news notification that something chaotic has happened in the world, and sifting through these events, I'm seeing how this ebb and flow of allure comes into play, a masked player acting in the background. JLo and Shakira's formidable Super Bowl halftime show entered the collective conscious on February 2nd, inspiring a storm of opinions, notably that of right-wing activist and pastor Dave Daubenmeyer, who is suing the NFL, Pepsi, and his local cable network for $867 trillion, claiming that the halftime show, quote, put him in danger of hellfire. Billie Eilish won several Grammys this month, an artist who often addresses the ways she's been publicly sexualized from a young age. Of course, in recent years, society at large has begun to come to terms with its relationship to allure, femininity, masculinity, and where lines are crossed, where allure can become twisted into something much more sinister. Last week, Trump was acquitted of all articles of impeachment, made possible only by his Republican Senate majority, lured by Trump's administration with the promise of power and money. Lastly, the Iowa caucus proved an epic failure in the American election process, highlighting areas where the process is deeply flawed. In a caucus, voters arrive to their local voting site, where they then literally stand in a corner which represents their chosen candidate. Then all the voters are tallied up. After that initial vote happens, any candidate with less than 15% of voters in their corner is eliminated, and those voters are allowed to redistribute to a new still-standing candidate. But before these voters choose their second choice to stand with, the followers of the remaining candidates are allowed to try and convince the voters to come to their corner and join them for the second vote. 
they are actually dropping lures and fishing for more support. Then the second and final vote is counted, and these are the published results we see. This year, Bernie had the largest initial support, beating out all of the other candidates by several thousand votes. But once the bottom-tier candidates were eliminated, all those voters redistributed, and many of them went to Pete Buttigieg, placing him barely over Sanders in the final count. Here, we saw the power of allure on a national scale. Thank you to Jenny for sitting down with me. You can find Jenny's music and her podcasts, Buffering the Vampire Slayer and Veronica Mars Investigations, at JennyOwenYoungs.com. For more Astroblast content, you can follow along at astroblasting.com or on social media at, at @astroblasting. You can also find my astrology contributions for Hooligan Magazine online at hooliganmagazine.com/astrology, including the February astrology forecast. If you've joined the Astroblast Patreon, you have access to bonus astrology forecasts that I post to my close friend's story on the Astroblast Instagram account. We are all only human, listening to the quiet beats of our own hearts, spending the whole of a lifetime trying to interpret each beat. There are moments of clarity where our hearts speak directly to us, and we know the meaning of happiness. But other times, we skip a beat, lost in the mystery of our own desires. And this is okay. Sometimes we learn more from jumping into the deep end, from being swept up in the allure of a new love. And when your heart is lost, you can always explore the dark.